Hi, welcome to Nightmare Somewhere Nap Science. The following contains distressing content and coarse language. Please be aware that it isn't intended for all listeners. In 1996, off the coast of Devon in England, a fishing trawler pulled up the body of a man. It seemed like an accidental drowning, but if it was, I wouldn't be sat here about to tell you all about it, would I? Welcome to Nightmare Somewhere, nap size, little bursts of alarm that will have you squinting at your neighbour in no time. When a fisherman and his son recovered the body of a man off the coast of England, investigators had little to go by. They had found an old anchor in the net and the man had a tattoo on his hand, but it was faded and indistinct. They were puzzled as no one had been reported missing in the area and the body was in such good condition that they were sure that he could not have been out in the water for long. He had no identification on him, his pockets had been turned inside out, and the only thing remarkable was that he was wearing an Oyster Rolex wristwatch. The autopsy revealed a nasty gash on his head and some other scrapes. The cause of death was confirmed to be drowning as the man's lungs had filled with water. That could have been the end of it but it wasn't. A few days later, one of the investigator's friends commented about how if the Rolex watch is genuine, the man's identity could be traced because Rolex keeps particularly good documentation on their products. The investigators contacted the company and Rolex pulled up the records and saw that the wristwatch had been taken into Yorkshire for repairs several times by a man called Ronald J. Platt. They went to the address for Ronald and they were welcomed in by a man called David Davies. He was relaxed, stylish and amiable. Again, this could have been the end, but it wasn't. There were a few loose ends to tie up before putting the case away and they tried to get in contact with David Davies but he wasn't answering their calls. A detective went to his home which was in a small village and the houses there weren't numbered. There was only a handful of homes so the detective chose one and knocked on the door. He asked about where he might find the particular cottage that he was looking for and explained that he was wanting to speak with the resident, David Davies. The neighbours answered, yes, that is the cottage right over there, but the man isn't David Davies, he is Ronald Platt. Right. So the neighbours were correct that the man was not David Davies, but of course he was not Ronald Platt either. He was in fact Canadian businessman Albert Johnson Walker. I do use the term businessman loosely. 
He had been a mortgage broker and financier who had embezzled $3.7 million of client funds. He had fled Canada years earlier and had lived on the run with his daughter who posed as his wife. In time, he became Canada's most wanted criminal. He is a textbook con man. He had met the real Ronald Platt who had been a television repairman. So he met Ronald Platt after he visited an auction house. So Ronald's girlfriend at the time was working there at the auction house. And Davies rocked up and explained to her how he was new to England and planning to move to the area. After this, Ronald and his girlfriend became good friends with him and before long, he offered them an opportunity. I guess you could call it an opportunity. He explained how he needed someone else to act as directors of his company because his ex-wife would sting him for the money otherwise. Ronald and his girlfriend both became directors and helped him develop the business and run it often travelling and whatever else is involved with that sort of work that I've never, certainly never done myself. Walker wanted to show his gratitude to the pair. Um, they probably figured it was gratitude for taking the roles of the directors, but it was more so gratitude because they helped him maintain the laundering of funds. Walker gave them two tickets to Canada, which was a dream for Ronald Platt. He had really dreamt of that for years, restarting his life in Canada. There was a bit of a caveat, though. They had to leave within weeks. Again, it seemed a bit rushed and unnecessary, but Walker explained that he just wanted Ronald to not waste another moment. Walker explained to the pair that he would need a rubber stamp made of their signatures. It made sense. They were the directors of the company after all. Canada didn't work out for the pair. They struggled to find employment and the dream fizzled. Before long, Ronald's girlfriend returned to England and Ronald himself lasted a little longer. But after three years, he called it quits. By now, Walker had been using his identity for years and figured that he was on easy street. Poor Ronald, just to consider how clueless he must have been that his return to England would have been really his death warrant. It's bone chilling. <clears throat> Pardon. Shortly after his return... Walker asked for him to help with something to do with his boat, the Lady Jane. When they were out at sea, Walker smashed Ronald over the head with an anchor. Then he secured the anchor to his waist and threw his body into the English Channel. So Ronald and his girlfriend had broken up for a fair while before, like since they returned. They had been broken up for a while right that's all I'm saying and sadly his disappearance went unnoticed for a very long time 
one article just explains that it was six weeks. So even though the body was found close to a week after the murder, between the time it took to uncover his identity, no one was reported missing. So I'm guessing that when he was discovered dead, that was when people were putting two and two together that he had ever been missing. And that breaks my heart. Walker was arrested on the 31st of October 1997. He denied the charge. His trial began two years after the discovery of Ronald's body. And while it was entirely circumstantial, he was found guilty. So when he was arrested, his daughter was sprung trying to stash gold bars into a nappy bag. So she had two children, one toddler, one baby. And the identity of the father of those children have never been has never been revealed. But so when he was being arrested, she gosh, I was like, not the best timing. But I guess you can't plan for these things. If you could plan for them, you certainly wouldn't do it when cops are around. In February of 2005, and this was close to seven years um, into his prison sentence in England, Walker was deported to Canada, where he was charged with new counts of fraud and money laundering. He was convicted of these and sentenced to life in jail with the possibility of parole. It is uncertain if or where Walker might have hidden more valuables. So there are amounts that were never uncovered. And isn't this the pits? Because he has been eligible for parole since July 2013. So beware Canada. This is a man who the trial judge called, quote, an intelligent and ruthless man who poses a serious threat to anyone who stands in their way. Right, this is a little bit off the topic, but go Etobicoke kangaroos. <laughs> Thanks. I went to Canada when I was 19 and I lived in Etobicoke. Right, so this is the end. Thank you very much for checking out my nap-sized nightmares. I'm new to podcasting. I do have my original show, Nightmares, somewhere. But it dawned on me that maybe releasing more brief episodes is a better way to really figure out what the fuck I'm doing. Thank you so much for being with me. I really hope that you check out my next episode or... Or you can even go to my Nightmare Somewhere podcast and um, I will see you soon. Bye.